Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue, that I might know how to speak to the weary a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All who see me deride me. They mock me with parted lips. They wag their heads. He relied on the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he loves him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Indeed, many dogs have surrounded me. A band of the wicked beset me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count every one of my bones. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They divide my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Coming in human likeness and found human in appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to Luke When the hour came, Jesus took his place at table with the apostles. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until there is fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you that from this time on, I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which will be given for you. Do this in memory of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. And yet behold, the hand of the one who is to betray me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man indeed goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to debate among themselves who among them would do such a deed. Then an argument broke out among them about which of them should be regarded as the greatest. He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are addressed as benefactors. But among you it shall not be so. Rather, let the greatest among you be as the youngest, and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one seated at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one seated at table? I am among you as the one who serves. It is you who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer a kingdom on you, just as my Father has conferred one on me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed that your own faith may not fail. And once you have turned back, you must strengthen your brothers. He said to him, Lord, I am prepared to go to prison and to die with you. But he replied, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows this day, you will deny three times that you know me. He said to them, when I sent you forth without a money bag or a sack or sandals, were you in need of anything? No, nothing, they replied. He said to them, But now one who has a money bag should take it, and likewise a sack, and one who does not have a sword should sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, namely, he was counted among the wicked. And indeed, what is written about me? is coming to fulfillment. Then they said, Look, Lord, there are two swords here. But he replied, It is enough. Then going out as he went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not undergo the test. After withdrawing about a stone's throw from them and kneeling, he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, Take this cup away from me. Still, not my will, but yours be done. And to strengthen him, an angel from heaven appeared to him. He was in such agony, and he prayed so fervently that his sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. 
When he rose from prayer and returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping from grief. He said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not undergo the test. While he was still speaking, a crowd approached, and in front was one of the twelve, a man named Judas. He went up to Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? His disciples realized what was about to happen, and they asked, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said in reply, Stop, no more of this. Then he touched the servant's ear and healed him. And Jesus said to the chief priests and the temple guards and elders who had come for him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? Day after day I was with you in the temple area, and you did not seize me. But this is your hour, the time for the power of darkness. After arresting him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter sat down with them. When a maid saw him seated in the light, she looked intently at him and said, This man, too, was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A short while later, someone else saw him and said, You, too, are one of them. But Peter answered, My friend, I am not. About an hour later, still another insisted, Assuredly, this man too was with him, for he is also a Galilean. But Peter said, My friend, I do not know what you are talking about. Just as he was saying this, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. He went out and began to weep bitterly. The men who held Jesus in custody were ridiculing and beating him. They blindfolded him and questioned him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they reviled him in saying many other things against him. When day came, the council of elders and the people met, both chief priests and scribes, and they brought him before their Sanhedrin. They said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he replied to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question, you will not respond. But from this time on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further need have we for testimony? We have heard it from his own mouth. Then the whole assembly of them arose and brought him before Pilate. They brought charges against him, saying, We found this man misleading our people. He opposes the payment of taxes to Caesar and maintains that he is the Christ, a king. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. Pilate then addressed the chief priests and the crowds, I find this man not guilty. But they were adamant and said, He is inciting the people with his teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee where he began even to here. 
On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean, and upon learning that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. He had been wanting to see him for a long time, for he had heard about him and had been hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at length, but he gave no answer. The chief priests and scribes, meanwhile, stood by accusing him harshly. Herod and his soldiers treated him contemptuously and mocked him, and after clothing him in resplendent garb, he sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate became friends that very day, even though they had been enemies formerly. Pilate then summoned the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me and accused him of inciting the people to revolt. I have conducted my investigation in your presence and have not found this man guilty of the charges you have brought against him, nor did Herod, for he sent him back to us. So no capital crime has been committed by him. Therefore I shall have him flogged and then release him. But altogether they shouted out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Now Barabbas had been imprisoned for a rebellion that had taken place in the city, and for murder. Again Pilate addressed them, still wishing to release Jesus, but they continued their shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate addressed them a third time, What evil has this man done? I found him guilty of no capital crime. Therefore I shall have him flogged and then release him. With loud shouts, however, they persisted in calling for his crucifixion, and their voices prevailed. The verdict of Pilate was that their demand should be granted. So he released the man who had been imprisoned for rebellion and murder, for whom they asked, and he handed Jesus over to them, to deal with as they wished. As they led him away, they took hold of a certain Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country. And after laying the cross on him, they made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd of people followed Jesus, including many women who mourned and lamented him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep instead for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming when people will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. At that time people will say to the mountains, Fall upon us, and to the hills, cover us. For if these things are done when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now two others, both criminals, were led away with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him and the criminals there, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They divided his garments by casting lots. The people stood by and watched. The rulers, meanwhile, sneered at him and said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. 
As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because of an eclipse of the sun. Then the veil of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion who witnessed what has happened glorified God and said, This man was innocent beyond doubt. When all the people who had gathered for this spectacle saw what had happened, they returned home beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances stood at a distance, including the women who had followed him from Galilee and saw these events. Now there was a virtuous and righteous man named Joseph, who though he was a member of the council, had not consented to their plan or their action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea and was awaiting the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. After he had taken the body down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a rock-hewn tomb in which no one had yet been buried. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come from Galilee with him followed behind, and when they had seen the tomb and the way in which his body was laid in it, they returned and prepared spices and perfumed oils. Then they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, once again, a blessed Passion Sunday to you. We bear the palms today. We receive the palms that hopefully will remind us throughout the year of what Christ did for us freely and therefore of how we freely love him in return. Freely, the palms remind us. The people were laying the palms at his feet as he was riding in to Jerusalem, he didn't have to go there. He went there willingly because as he says in John's Gospel in chapter 10, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. 
I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. Today we see power in the weakness of Jesus, in His bearing the cross, being led away under arrest, condemned to be crucified, nailed to it, dying upon it. Here we see power. In the weakness of Jesus, there is the power of God. Why? Because no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. And the power to lay it down that Jesus is talking about is the power of love that sacrifices itself for the good of the other and brings life to the other. In the weakness of Jesus, we see the power of God. In the hatred of Jesus' enemies, we see in contrast the love God has for us. Because this is the event, what we just read, that brings us life. Let's look at some of the aspects of this that demonstrate that fact. There he is on the cross, and yet he is opening paradise to the good thief. He is dying on the cross, but he has the power to open paradise and to say to him, Today you will be there with me. His enemies mock him. Those who had scourged him tear holes in his hands and his feet as the prophecy and the Psalms that we read today proclaimed centuries before. And yet he is able to give them the gift of God's forgiveness. Even in the act of receiving their destructive hatred, he is able to grant them forgiveness. There is a universal conflict going on here between the power of good and evil, the power of love and hatred, the power of life and death, it is a conflict being played out in the life of Jesus. It is a conflict played out in our lives. It is a conflict played out throughout the universe. And the signs of that conflict come when indeed the sky is darkened and there is an earthquake on that Good Friday and there is the tearing of the veil of the temple into two from top to bottom. The veil in the temple is what closed off the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwelt on earth. Only the high priest could go in there once a year. No one was permitted in there. But from top to bottom, not from bottom to top as a human being might tear it, but from top to bottom as God Almighty tears it, He opens up the Holy of Holies. He opens up life and salvation. When does that happen? At the moment of the greatest weakness. Of Jesus at the moment when he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Death did not capture him, he went to it, he captured it, and he overcame it. I commend my spirit, I have the power to lay it down. The power to lay down my life is the power of love that gives life. 
Look at then what happens. The fruit of that death immediately gives spiritual life to the centurion who confesses this was the, an innocent man, this was the Son of God. And, and to the whole crowd that was there. They went away from that scene beating their breasts. When do we do this? When we're repenting of sin, when we're acknowledging our guilt, when we're turning back to God, when we're seeking the life of His grace. His death, Jesus' death, brings life to all that crowd, brings life to, even to those who were crucifying Him. Father, forgive them, gives life to the repentant thief. And then the centurion pierces his side with blood and water flowing out from it, symbolizing the sacraments of the church that now in just a week's time, our catechumens, those who have been preparing all during Lent to be received into the church, will in fact receive life. They will receive new life. They will receive the life flowing from the side of Christ. The water coming from His side represents baptism. The blood coming from His side represents the Holy Eucharist, His body and blood, the bread of eternal life, which if we eat it, we live forever. Whenever Palm Sunday comes around, I find myself remembering and thinking about the times when I celebrated this great day of our faith in St. Peter's Square with St. John Paul II. It was when I worked over there at the Vatican in the late 1990s. The Palm Sunday liturgies with John Paul II there were unforgettable. Uh, and in fact, that song, that I, refrain that I sang at the opening today of the Mass is what we sang there in St. Peter's Square, as John Paul II himself was carrying the palms coming into that square and blessing the people. And he wrote this beautiful document, The Gospel of Life, Evangelium Vitae in Latin. It's all about pro-life, this, this document, and why the church stands up for the weakest, the children yet in the womb, who are killed every day by abortion. John Paul II, in section 50 of this document, talks about the events we just heard of now, and in fact, brings out the very points I was just sharing with you. That from the cross, life comes. In fact, let me read a few lines from here. He says, looking at the spectacle of the cross, we shall discover in this glorious tree the fulfillment and the complete revelation of the whole gospel of life. And then he talks about this conflict between life and death. He talks about the centurion coming to repentance, the thief coming into paradise, the people beating their breasts in repentance, and a Jesus giving up his spirit, an act, a decision freely done. And then let me see, read for you what John Paul writes about this. And this is the significance of this day and of Good Friday, which now is only a few days away. It is the very life of God which is now shared with man. It is the life which through the sacraments of the church is continually given to God's children, the people of the new covenant, making them the people of the new covenant. 
From the cross, he says, the source of life, the people of life is born and increases. Why are we pro-life and what is the message of pro-life? That God, through his shed blood, through his cross, and through his resurrection, that God has shared his life with us by giving himself away, and that we are to share life with others by giving ourselves away. Listen to what John Paul II continues to say. You heard in the, in the gospel passage of the Passion, by the way, how Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. I'm not sitting at the table with you waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. And we know that at the Last Supper, he washed the feet of the disciples. That is pointing to the cross. The way he serves us is not handing us some food. The way he serves us is dying for us. I am among you as one who serves. I give my life. And in God's mysterious plan, that gives you life. So listen what John Paul writes. He who had come not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many attains on the cross the heights of love. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And he died for us while we were yet sinners. In this way, John Paul continues, Jesus proclaims that life finds its center, its meaning, and its fulfillment when it is given up. I give myself to you. Isn't that what husband and wife say to each other? I give myself for you. Isn't that what parents say to their children, whether born or still in the womb? I offer myself for you. I endure sacrifice that you might live. I give myself away that you might thrive. I even submit to death that you may thrive. Brothers and sisters, abortion is exactly the opposite of love. Love means I sacrifice myself for the good of the other person. Abortion and the whole culture of death say I sacrifice the other person for the good of myself. One of the key lessons coming from all of this that we are celebrating today is that happiness and fulfillment are never found. Life itself is never found by pushing the other person out of the way. It is found only when we push ourselves out of the way. Make room for the other person. Make room for the poor. Make room for the needy. Make room for the sick. Make room for the children in the womb. No matter how unexpected, unplanned, or burdensome they might be, make room for them. As Christ Jesus gave himself up for us to make room for our forgiveness, for our salvation, for our eternal life. The crowd went away beating their breasts. Might we today go away from this sacred liturgy, go away from our hearing once again the passion of our Lord, also beating our breasts. For any time we have not welcomed 
God's grace anytime we have put aside the way of virtue because we said it's too hard, I have to give up too much. We have been giving things up for Lent precisely to train us about the meaning of this moment. As John Paul said, as Christ shows on the cross, life finds its meaning when we give it away. In loving service, in loving welcome, with open arms, with open hearts, with open homes, with a hope, open nation. We open the doors to life. And we say we are not afraid to welcome and serve the other. We are not afraid to welcome, protect, and serve the children that we didn't plan on and that some just want to discard. From the cross, John Paul says to us today, the source of life, the people of life is born and increases. Let us rejoice in who we are. We are the people of the cross. We are the people of the crucified and risen one. We are the people of the one who gave his life that we might live. We are the people of life. Let us proclaim it proudly. Let us serve lovingly. And let us hope intensely as we embrace again the gift of eternal life. Blessed Palm Sunday to all of you. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.